the golf industry pushes people to buy new equipment and therefore it's a, it's a quick fix industry so if you're not playing very well with that club try this club instead it will really transform your game science is showing us that buying a new club isn't enough isn't going to be enough to change yourself because the brain doesn't change like that and habits don't change like that they take time they take considerable practice so this case to the idea of the tinker man there's a guy who's a fantastic golfer one of these guys who's good enough to be professional know that about it until it comes to him having a bad round and he just changes everything he imagines that he can just change his club and that will solve all the problems he's not getting to the root of the problem Today, we're going to talk about the root of that problem, really discussing some of the foundational issues we have as golfers. And then we're going to give you some very, very practical concepts to change what you do before and after a golf shot with our guest, Dr. John Finn. My name is Dr. John Finn, and I am the managing director and founder of PreShot. But actually, we work under a broad umbrella, so we work under Tougher Minds. Um, which is a business which works in business, sport, education, and we help people to understand their brain and help them to manage that and build better habits, whether that's on the golf course or in the office. You're listening to the Golf Science Lab, where we're bringing to light research and concepts that you might not have heard before, so you can discover insights to help you play better on the golf course. Hey, I'm your host, Cordy Walker. In this season of the Golf Science Lab, we've been diving into the brain in sports psychology. And thank you so much for joining us. You know, we've been getting some great feedback and I read every email that you all send over. So thank you for listening and stay tuned as we have more episodes on this topic coming your way soon. And if you want to dive deeper and get some practical application of what we've been talking about on this season of the show, We're going to be hosting the Unlocking Performance Virtual Summit in April with some incredible guests lined up. After the success of our last virtual summit on motor learning, we held back in November. It's obviously something that a lot of people enjoyed and want more of. So we're going to be taking these concepts and making it practical with some incredible, incredible presenters. I'm really, really excited to announce this and and bring this to you all. Uh, You can actually check it out right now and get your early bird access over at unlockingperformancesummit.com. Check it out. A quick word from our sponsors. One of the things that we talked about in the last season of the Golf Science Lab was transferring skills. How do we transfer skills from the range to the golf course? And we know that we need to practice like we play, going through all the same processes and simulating pressure. But for most, it gets boring. That's why Golf Scrimmages is such a good tool. You can find great practice games specific for the skills you need to improve and then track your progress and climb the leaderboards on their app. Check it out at golfscrimmages.com and start practicing for long-term improvement. I guess the word pre-shot routines is kind of misleading um, because the routine isn't just something you do before you hit the golf ball. It's something you do before, during, and after a golf shot. There are three very important steps there. So... I guess from my perspective as a scientist, I wouldn't feel comfortable just telling golf coaches about a pre-shot routine without having some explicit understanding of, of the science behind how that might work. We really like this approach here at the Golf Science Lab. 
so we start with the neuroscience and we know that on the golf course the uh, the golf course is a very threatening place for your brain potentially because you can make yourself look particularly bad and our brains don't like that they're very conscious of how we look in front of other people and I think that for me what was really important was to try and give golf coaches golf and golfers something real and physical that they could start to use to build robust pre during and post routines around and that's the pre-shot training program where you can use colored zones and actually start to not just let your we call it the eight brain the part of your brain which is looking for threats all the time not just let that overwhelm you but actually pre-plan exactly what you're going to think and build that thinking into a habit so that when you're on the golf course under pressure you've already built this this habit way of thinking as you're stepping into the shot as you're swinging the club and and after you fit the ball as well we need to have a plan or a pre-shot routine because we're wired to detect threats and we want to protect ourselves from any physical or psychological harm at whatever the cost human beings are completely dependent on other human beings to survive and what the golf course presents to us is a great opportunity to make ourselves look stupid and not very good in front of other people and that's why the golf course is so threatening because we've got this opportunity to make ourselves look great we can hit the ball down on the fairway we can hold that put out we can hit the ball really close to the pin with a fantastic shot but equally we can't do that as well there's a chance that it might all go wrong and that's very threatening to your brain a potential for failure in front of others you know something that we want to avoid something that causes pressure and stress that we get so caught up in avoidance and just trying not to look like an idiot that we never let go and see our potential. But for most of us, we're not even aware of what's going on. Most of our thoughts are just automated processes. Um, but it's that, you know, the most pressurized part of the game for, for most people is the first tee drive. Because you're in front of the clubhouse, everyone's watching, you haven't had a shot just yet. You know, it's the biggest chance to mess up in, in front of the most amount of people. Equally, holding out short putts because you're expected to be able to hold that putt, you know, um, or you're giving yourself the opportunity and you can only really lose, you know, because you're expected to get the ball in the hole. And it, it comes back to that perception of other people and we, or from other people. We can see in the brain that the parts of the brain which are used for um, to, to tell us that we're hungry and we're thirsty are very closely connected with the parts of the brain, which are about how we're perceived by other people. We know that physical pain, so we, we know that taking a paracetamol reduces physical pain. Taking a paracetamol also reduces emotional pain because they're run by the same centres in the brain. You know, the emotional pain of what someone might think about you. You're a terrible golfer. You're not very good at sport, whatever it is. For some people, going on the golf course brings up a lot of potential pain that they just want to try to avoid. So they never really let go and they're stuck in threat avoidance. And these threats often have a bigger impact than the good. So if we weigh the positive effect of hitting it close to the pin and having a really great approach shot versus one shot that goes in the water, that bad shot's going to far outweigh the good. What neuroscience has shown us a lot, a lot of neuroscience, they, they say it's confirmatory science, so it's kind of reinforcing things that we already understood. 
But one of the, the big new understandings that's come out of uh, neuroscience is just how potent um, negative emotions are for us. So we, we used to talk about the sandwich technique. So if you want to give someone some negative feedback, you give them some positive feedback first, then some negative, and then some more positive. So you layer it like a sandwich, two pieces of bread and then something in the middle. However, we know that actually negative emotions are so powerful, we need, we need at least three positives to outweigh everyone negative. And sometimes that ratio goes from from one um, positive all the way up to, sorry, from one negative all the way up to to 11 positives because our brain is, is magnetized to the threat. Here's a great example of what this means in the real world. John mentioned that some golf course head professionals he knows have talked about how less and less people were taking place in some Saturday tournaments that they held at their clubs. Club pros are detailing how less and less people are playing in those competitions because people just don't like the pressure of it. They just want to play by themselves or with their friends in a social situation, not where they're going to get judged and everyone can see how, how well or poorly they've performed. It's sad because giving yourself a challenge and seeing how you can perform under pressure is when greatness can appear. It's, it's when those stories that you repeat over and over again happen. And it's what sport is there for. It's about can you make the shot when the game is on the line, right? So applying that to golf, how can we not only accept pressure and the potential threat and thrive in it? Let's take a look at a case study with a student John worked with. I think, yeah, Clark, this is a professional golfer, a very successful um, female professional golfer who kind of hit a stumbling, got on tour, very successful, but then things just started to go wrong. And this girl had been earmarked as, as being very successful from a young age, from a, as a young teenager, she was going to be the next big thing in golf. Now, when things start, go, when things start going wrong for this girl, her only solution is to change her swing, is to change her equipment, because that's all she knows. But that isn't the solution to a problem, because the problem's actually that she's not thinking correctly on the golf course. And because she's never explored that part of the golf, she isn't aware of it. And because most of the expertise supporting her, her coaches, is technical expertise, they don't really explore it either and, and also they're not in a particularly good position to explore it because it's not their area of expertise how she thinks and um, she would she then contacted um, pre-shop or tougher minds which is a broader business and we helped her to really understand the problems that her brain was causing her and the neurobiology behind that and then using the pre-shop system give her some simple and practical ways to actually start to think more effectively on the golf course uh, before she hit the ball, as she was hitting the ball, after she'd hit the ball, so that she wasn't, so that the pressure and the expectation that was placed on her shoulders wasn't having such neg negative consequences. Could you give an example of what was going on in her mind uh, before uh, implementing a pre-shot routine and then kind of like what she replaced that with? I would say every, every problem for a golfer, and in, in her case as well, centres around the golf swing. So my golf swing isn't working properly, and I know that because the shots I'm hitting don't go where I want them to go. But that then bleeds back into before you hit the golf ball, because then you're thinking, my golf shot, my golf swing isn't working properly, 
this shot isn't going to go to where I want it to go. That's before I've even set up to the ball. Then that also bleeds into after you hit the, the golf ball because you're thinking, my golf shot isn't working properly. That means the next shot I go to isn't going to work well either. So I've got this problem with my golf swing and actually it's bleeding into before I hit the shot, as I hit the shot and after I hit the shot. Now, because the way that golfers learn about their golfing and I talk about their golf swing is often very mechanical, they know the very detail of the grip and the stance and how you take the club away and what you do at the top of the backswing and what you do as you're coming through, um, as you come to strike the ball and after you've hit the ball. When they, when things aren't going so well for them, they refer back to that technical understanding. When golfers are playing really well, they're not really thinking about the swing very much. It's very automated. It's just maybe one, two, three, strike, whatever it is. The more problems they face on the golf course, the more technical they become. The more technical they become, the worse their, their golf game becomes because it just de-automizes the sophistication of their movement. So this girl in question, when things weren't going well, she was just going back to the technique and that was making the game even worse. Got it. So what, what did you replace those thoughts with or what habits replaced that, that bad habit or that unhelpful habit? First of all, that understanding that this wasn't a helpful habit and then Keywords and key pictures that are helpful. So as I'm walking into the shot, seeing seeing the shot I don't want to hit isn't helpful. So I need to be seeing the shot that I want to hit. As I'm um, swinging the club, I need to work out some keywords and, and pictures that are going to be helpful so I can have a nice, smooth, efficient and effective golf swing. And then after I fit the shot, even if it doesn't go, the ball doesn't go exactly where I want it to go, beating myself up isn't helpful. So I need to build some structures and some strategies to think more helpfully after the shot. So that's the kind of thing. It's pretty simple, but it's difficult to do. Here's a bit more on this system of pre-shot that John has developed. So we're, we're coming from cognitive behavioral therapy. So we're talking about words and pictures and, and asking people to plan out the key words and the key pictures that they want to use uh, before, during, and after they hit a golf shot. And we actually couple that with colored zones that you can map out on the floor or that you can map out in your head. So, you know, an obvious one might be that you have a, an amber zone as you're getting ready to go. You have a green zone for go as you strike the ball. You might have a red zone for stop after you've hit the ball, that kind of thing. And, and if we think about actually the logic of that, we know that people like Jack Nicholas have been talking about managing the words and pictures in their head since since kind of golf began and it's not quite like that but you know Jack Nicholas talks about going to the movies in his head and seeing what he's going to do he's got a plan and he had to work out how to do that it wasn't a natural thing he, he worked out how to do it because he, he found himself um, not performing as well as he could under pressure that meant he wasn't earning any money and that wasn't good because he was a professional golfer so I guess we've tried to make make um, a simple and practical process that replicates what someone like Jack Nicholas does, but allows everybody to, to do it for themselves and to put their own sort of twist on it, if you like. One thing I wanted to know is how do we all find our own process? Because my solution to a problem isn't the same as yours. So how does that fit into the picture? It's really important because everybody's different. Um, and that, that's what we've tried to design in that, in that solution in, in pre-shot is that there is a generic framework there, but it's up to people to to build their own bespoke version of that because you know people have different connections to colors some people prefer 
pictures than words they find you know different elements easier and yeah some you know everybody's got a different best shot for the best drive they've ever hit or the best shot put they've ever hit so he's trying to give people a framework and a logic model which is based in very solid science that they can build their own solution around and actually also you're going to have slightly different routines for different shots as well so this is it's it's very idiosyncratic and check it out over at his site because it's a really good practical concept sure so if you're interested in the pre-shot training program there are different ways to access it i would say the first way to access it would be our ebooks which if you go to our website which is www.pre-shot.co.uk just google um, pre-shot golf you will see links to our ebooks which you can buy via amazon or via apple and you can start to to read about our program and and if you want to take it further you can equally if you visit our website there is tons of free resources and videos that give you great insights into how to practice more effectively and how to think more effectively you know under pressure thank you so much to dr john finn for joining us make sure to check out what he's doing over at pre-shot.co.uk also join us in the golf science lab insider club head over to golfsciencelab.com slash insider to get access to the content first and stay up to date on what we're documenting in golf science this episode was hosted and written by me cordy walker you can follow me on twitter at cordy walker thank you to this season's content partner dr brett mccabe of the mindside.com for his invaluable advice one of the things we talked about in the last season of the golf science lab was transferring skills how do we transfer skills from the range to the course and we learned that we need to practice like we play simulating pressure and going through the same processes so that's why golf scrimmages is such a good tool they have great games and specific drills for the skills that you need to improve so head over to golfscrimmages.com see what they're up to sign up track your progress and climb the leaderboards big thank you to them for sponsoring this season of the golf science lab This was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions, and we'll see you all next time on the Golf Science Lab.